Welcome to another episode of the Pastor's Call Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Webb. Before we begin today's episode, I want to thank the sponsor for the show. It's Blue Water Free Methodist Church, where I have the pleasure of serving. We're an intentional community reflecting Jesus to our world. Well, I can hardly believe it. We have released 52 episodes of the Pastor's Call podcast, and I have been so thankful for each and every one of you that has been along uh, as part of the journey from the beginning, joining every week, hearing episodes, uh, hearing the stories and the lives of men and women who've answered the call to be pastors. They felt the call on their life. Um, they have responded to it. They've gone through the process. They have uh, gone through so many different experiences in their journeys. And I just want to thank everyone who's joined, who's been listening, who's uh, reached out to me to to share your thoughts about the different episodes and just the variety of guests um, that I've had the uh, pleasure of talking to. That's been one of the things from the beginning that my desire was to hear stories from pastors across the Orthodox Christian uh, spectrum of denominations. Um, we might we certainly disagree on a lot of secondary issues, um, but we agree on the things that bring us together in Christ. And so it's just been such a, a pleasure and honor uh, and an encouragement to my own life and walk hearing these many stories. It's been a year now with an episode a week. We're at uh, 52 episodes uh, as of last week with Vic Reasoner. So, so thankful to everyone who has supported the show by listening, by subscribing, by sharing. I do ask that you continue to even listen back to episodes that you have not heard yet, and maybe there's something encouraging there for you. And please do share this with your pastor as well. If you're a, if you're a lay person in a church, share it with the share it with your pastor for some encouragement for them. Or if you are a pastor as well, maybe you have pastor friends who want or need some encouragement. And I truly believe that hearing the stories of those who've gone before will be essential uh, in in that encouragement as well for those who are pursuing pastoral ministry. Well, today I want to do something a little bit different. Uh, for the next two weeks, so this week and next week, we're going to be doing some recaps. We're going to be going back to previous episodes of the Pastor's Call podcast and just listening to some highlights. Well, um, maybe it was a key point in a pastor's decision to uh, to follow their call, or maybe it was a particular circumstance, or maybe a pastor was just sharing some interesting insights on a particular subject. So the next two weeks, we're going to be doing some recaps, going back over these episodes and, and listening to some of the awesome nuggets that we've gotten over uh, this last year. So the first clip we're going to hear is we're going to hear uh, Pastor Chris Stewart from Mount Pleasant Bible Church, just not too far from where I'm at here in Port Huron, Michigan, and he is going to share a little bit about what he felt his call to ministry was. This is what that sounds like. I went to a winter camp. Um, it would have been winter of 1995, and which, uh, as I describe it, God took me behind the woodshed and smacked me around. <laughs> I knew the Bible. I'd grown up in church. I'd memorized all the verses, um, but it wasn't personal. It didn't mean anything to me other than going to church, having donuts, and going to youth group. Mm -hmm. So in seeing God's creation around me and God smacking me around going, Chris, you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Tonight is the night. 
And so it wasn't anything that the speaker said. It was just me being out in God's creation and God calling me and bringing me to salvation. And it's, um, I'm not a very emotional person, but when I hear two things get me choked up, baptisms and people's testimonies. Now, not bragamonies, not bragging about their sin, yeah. but their actual testimonies. So while attending the church with my grandparents, uh, really a combination of five things happened. And when I talk to younger ministers, when they talk about, well, am, am I called into ministry and that kind of thing? What was told to me is that hopefully prayerfully, three to five things will happen that'll help confirm a calling into ministry. Number one is prayer, that you're praying about it. God, is this what you're having for me? That you get answers that way. Number two is obviously scripture. Number three, confirmation from, from other people. Hey, Chris, you know, I really think that you you have a calling into ministry. Uh, number four is opportunity, whether it's your local congregation or there's an opportunity in the community to serve, and then need. Um, fortunately for me, four of those things were lined up when I was 18 years old. And, and next, we're going to hear a little bit from Superintendent Joanna DeWolf. She is one of the members of the superintendent team for my conference of the Free Methodist Church, the East Michigan Conference. And she's going to share just a little bit about a transition period in her life when she was really seeking God for what her next steps were. One of the things that I said I would never do, I don't say that word anymore, because uh, more than one time I've said I will never do that, and then I end up doing that. One was that I was never going to homeschool, um, and in the process, I, I always say I had some of the greatest joys of my life hmm. homeschooling, and I never thought that I would say that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, in many ways, it was my wilderness experience without the drought of the wilderness mm. but it was that formation time for me and my character mm -hmm. right like in these hidden places will you have discipline for yourself will you make plans will you invest deeply in two children and not a whole church in doing the right things mm. um and it's funny in my staff now so um we were still attending uh lansing central and i had told the pastor when a new pastor came because I had been through some really awful transitions. I said, listen, I'm attending here, but I'm not going to get in your way. Um, and if you need me to leave because I was the superintendent's daughter at the time when he first came and whatever I said, I I'll step out because I, I don't want another yucky mm -hmm. <laughs> transition. And, yeah, that's okay. And so I found ways to minister in the church almost separate from the church in many mm. ways. Um, and when the Lord told me it was time for my kids to move on and, and go to school, one of the things my husband said was, um, you know, I want you to take a year and just for you, like you have, you've given everything, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I took a year and it was weird because I don't usually do a lot of things for myself. Yeah. Um, but I had started running and I did a half marathon, trained for a half marathon. It was awesome. Then did a... Um, mini try and this is like a really cool but i got to the end of that year and went okay lord wait i did another year right so now i'm ready i'm ready to jump into ministry mm -hmm. and i didn't really see a place for myself at my home church and but i where our whole family was i was like i, 
where else would I go? What mm. would I do? And so the Lord and I had a real wrestling match at the end of that first year. And that summer, the lead pastor sent out an email to all of the staff and leadership and said, yeah, I've been offered a couple other positions, but I just think the Lord is telling me that I'm going to be here long term. So I thought, wow, okay, so where does that leave me, Lord? Because I, I don't see this, right? And I felt so clearly the Lord did not release me from that church. Hmm. So I started pursuing doing some writing, and I had written a couple of books before. And so I thought, well, maybe I need to do more writing. That That's, you know, so I started working on something, and it just never seemed to do whatever. And I believe it was February of that year, the pastor pulled me aside after church one Sunday and said, hey, I just need you to know I think I'm going to take a superintendent position and I'm actually going to leave this spring. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay, Lord, so you do know what you're talking about, right? Isn't that just so encouraging when uh, when we're asking God for direction and he just points it out to us? Uh, next, I'm uh, excited to share this clip, uh, this bit from Heg Kerlopian. Uh, he's now out in California at uh, Church for the Nations, but this was uh, him sharing uh, about some of his time pastoring an Armenian church in New York City, dealing with some of the struggles of bringing a church body together and some of the insights that he received. But they weren't united on a common cause, and there was a lot of infighting, and there wasn't a clear sense of why we gather. A lot of it was legacy issues with their with the, with the family members and the history of being Armenian in an old church. So just under unpacking all that um, and then just making, keeping focus on the main things, you know, mm -hmm. preach the Bible, just disciple, trust God. Um, there, there were literally times my first Sunday where like I'd be preaching to the choir and no one was there on certain Sundays and the choir was paid to be there. So like I was like preaching to a paid choir a few Sundays. Literally preaching uh, to the choir. It, literally, yeah. literally preaching to the choir. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember like, bumping into Tim Keller um, on the subway, like my second week on the job. And like, he just told me like very practical advice about this. He said, just treat it like a business. You need to re like turn around. Uh, it was cool to hear from like a, a spiritual leader, like to de-spiritualize it and just be like, all right, yeah. your business is suffering. Just like turn it around. Okay. <laughs> like that, that, that makes it more tangible. Yeah. And he also said something, um, I think in a, in, in a follow-up meeting uh, with a bigger group where when you preach, you're not preaching to try to reach the lost, like an evangelical sermon. Uh, you're not preaching necessarily to just disciple the current flock, but you're ultimately preaching to an audience of one, to God. Hmm. And it was getting to a point of understanding that while I'm preaching, it's an act of worship. Uh, that was liberating. So it was like less about my performance. In my interview with Andrew Seppo, a good friend of mine, he shared quite a bit about his vision and heart, uh, not just for our community here in Port Huron, Michigan, but also his heart for, for the church, the missional uh, aspect that the church is to have to the current generations uh, that make up a lot of our population. And Andrew's really been casting a wonderful vision for that over his uh, time now, about two years with Operation Transformation. And so here, here's a little bit from him during uh, his interview on the Pastor's Call podcast about his vision for the mission of the church. For the 50, the 40, late 40s and 50s and under, we've done a really poor, we've done a really poor job as a, as a, as a whole of the church nationally of, of re-engaging mm -hmm. that. And so 
Um, we're trying to get, we have a few things obviously in play. I, I, I've, I've talked with you a little bit before about this too, but one of the areas I'm looking at is saying, Hey, there's, there's gotta be some creative artists or musicians or photographers or videographers or people who are, who are, who are gifted in that way. And Mm -hmm. I'd love to create some initiatives or some collaborations where we find a way to use that for the kingdom And, Mm -hmm. and, and people who maybe aren't plugged into a church, but who are open to talking about faith. Yeah. I think everybody's open to talk about what they believe. Mm-hmm. And so that, to me, that's the common ground is that there, we can talk about what do we believe. Mm-hmm. If we can find ways to engage people in a different way outside the four walls, because we know that they're not in the four walls, right? 75% of that of that, that, that demographic is not. And in, mm-hmm. in this county, actually only, only 20% of people totality in this county go to church. So mm-hmm. we're even less than that in St. Clair mm-hmm. County. How do we get? How do we get creative and go outside? So whether it's through music, through arts, through 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 painting, through through mm. culturally, you know, and uh, specific things like that. Um, we have these connect groups. We started Randy Bennett, who used to be the mm-hmm. pastor here. He's heading up. He's our our community outreach coordinator. Um, and we've gotten some really cool um, stories and some some new connect groups on the rise. My wife mm-hmm. and I actually trying to start one in the next few months um, with young married couples mm-hmm. and just, just talking about faith. And the, the beautiful thing about those are, is, again, it's outside the four walls intentionally. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not quote unquote, we're going to read through the book of John and talk about it. It's like, Hey, let's talk about life. Let's, let's, let's find yeah. a common denominator we all have, whether it's, you know, you're young married, you're ki- you got kids or you're, 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 you know, you, you just got a new job. Maybe you just moved to the area, right? All these things that people can yeah. kind of connect with. And so we've got, those two are, are are big ones for me, and then the third one is is uh, is the foster care community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, recently we've had, I'm not sure if you know this, but we've had a, a big Supreme Court reversal on on on, on a decision, um, yep. and uh, the Roe v. Wade overturn has put the spotlight back on, uh, not not back on it. It was it wasn't already, but intensified. It's intensified the focus of this conversation of. Okay, now if, if we're making abortion a more difficult thing to happen, and now mm-hmm. putting it back onto states and all this stuff, we're we're creating more conversation about it. And I, I like to say this: no matter what side of the conversation you fall on, that it is the church's responsibility to to step up. Yeah, doesn't matter if you mm-hmm. believe it's right, wrong, indifferent. I don't care. We care about the kids that are have have nobody to raise them. And mm-hmm. so, um, again, stats: we have mm-hmm. you know currently only eighty one families in the county that are licensed to foster. Mm. And there's more than double that, the, the amount of kids that are right now in foster care or mm. who are around. That, that's not including kinship families or grandparents who are mm. taking care of kids or kins yeah. or, or brothers and sisters taking care of their, their kids' families um, or their kids. And so I, I have a huge heart to see the church. There's a lot of churches that, that have unique little things mm-hmm. to help maybe their congregants. Yeah. But... If we have, you know, almost this, we have, you know, roughly upwards sixty-ish churches in the county in the Blue Water area. Mm-hmm. If we could get some of the resources pooled and collectively, and this is where I think OT, I have an opportunity outside of a pulpit to to kind of be a liaison. Say, mm-hmm. hey, do we have do we have this here? Does this yeah. harbor impact this? Does Blue Water Free Methodist have this? Do we have space? Do we have mm-hmm. you know mentors, people who want to come alongside mom and dads who are, who are doing this, or or do we mm-hmm. have? A space to have a a, a a mom and dad's night out and, and have a big gym and have the kids go crazy in the gym for an hour and a half while mom and dad get a break, you know? Or do we have volunteers who can who can mm-hmm. volunteer and get trained to be respite care mm-hmm. um, givers and, and give parents a weekend off to go mm-hmm. to out east to see family or whatever? I mean, to yeah. me, those those are those are three areas that I I keep 
coming back to you and I keep seeing. And so for me, the next generation, um, foster care and, mm-hmm. and, and really finding creative ways to get outside the four yeah. walls. Those are my areas I feel like I think mm. we haven't done, mm-hmm. if at all. I'm sure many of us can remember the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that took place at Asbury University not too long ago. And I was very blessed to be able to have on Christian Alexander. Uh, he was a student at Asbury University at the time actually the nephew of my my pastor, uh, but he, he had an opportunity to be there and participate in what went on down at Asbury in Wilmore, Kentucky, there in Hughes Auditorium and on the campus of Asbury, and here he was sharing a, some of his highlights as, as Asbury Revival was still taking place. Um, I'm sure we're so excited to continue to see what the Lord is going to do with those who were impacted by that um by that event, uh, but here's Christian sharing a little bit from his perspective. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of things, and yes, I've, I mean, I've definitely, I've definitely, the spirit is so present here. Um, I mean, I've definitely been encouraged. Assuming, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that either come here for the wrong reasons or, or, or talk about the, what's going on for the wrong reasons. But I, it, I, to me, it's just cool, and it's just like a, like a giant act of worship that just seeing a revival and stuff like that has encouraged so many people and and our, the other people are longing for revival themselves because they love God mm-hmm. and they they want this country to, to turn back to God. They want to see young people go out and those kinds of things. So I think it's just encouraging just because you can see this genuine heart, these hearts of people. Um, they're like, it's not about the Asbury revival. They, they're just excited to see what God is doing and they want it to continue on their campuses and their, and their churches and those kinds of things. Um, so when you, when you see that genuineness, that's super encouraging. I think I've been encouraged um, because I don't think I've had a lot of um, confidence in my own generation as well. And I know that I'm sure the whole generation hasn't had a ton either. And so it's been cool to see just a lot of younger people step up and, 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 and even, um, I don't know if this was, um, just before the show we we're talking but just talking about um man this the ne- the older generation being worried about the, the next generation i think as a young generation like i could be about that too it's like man are we gonna have you know pastors and stuff like that too but kind of the same idea as the revival you know this is this is finally here's a little bit from calvin robinson i had the honor of interviewing calvin uh he's with the free church of england uh over in the united kingdom uh pretty well-known online and uh, some international notoriety relating to some of the political aspects of the Church of England, which led to him not being able to be ordained in the Church of England, but fi- uh, the Lord leading and opening up opportunities and doors in the Free Church of England. So here's a little bit uh, from Calvin, particularly as well sharing about this concept of the parish model of churches. And so now that's where you're serving now uh, through that process. Still a still a deacon, as you mentioned, uh, waiting to to join the presbytery of of your uh, of your local uh, area, or, or would it be um, parish or diocese? Um, not not sure of all the particular particular terminology. Yeah, um, all that all right. And, yeah. and like we discussed before we went on, um, it just so happened that a church was vacant. And this, this denomination that I'm a part of is very small. They don't have many churches, but they're scattered all around the country. And it just so happened that one was vacant in my area, you know, just mm. up the road from where I've lived for the last 17 years. Mm. Like that is divine providence. That is, I'm yeah. supposed to be serving in this place mm-hmm. at this time. And 
I do very much feel like it makes sense now because at the time it was hurtful. It was horrible mm -hmm. to live through. But now looking back, I realize I'm supposed to be where I am in this part of the church so that I can lead people that feel the Church of England has left them behind. I can show them there's another way. But also because I can serve in my ministry without worrying about all these so-called woke issues mm -hmm. all the time. I can just get on with the faith and I don't have to battle against you know, bishops who say, don't say that that way, don't say that that way, you know, you, you've got to be more inclusive, diverse and equitable, and you've got to worry about the climate and, and you know, you've got to say that we are racist institu institutionally and all this kind of stuff. I don't have to do any of that. I can mm. just preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's actually been a deliverance. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope that hearing some of these highlights, some of these recaps from the last year of the Pastor's Call podcast has been encouraging. Hopefully there was something from some of these uh, clips that um, I pulled out that have been encouraging to you. And I look forward to sharing some more of these clips with you next week as well. As I said, this week and as well next week, we're going to be doing some recaps of the Pastor's Call podcast looking at past episodes, pulling out sections of interviews that are uh, particularly inspiring uh, or interesting and uh, seeing how we can be still encouraged by what was shared then. So uh, we'll be having some more recaps next week as well, every, uh, released on Wednesday, just as we have been for the last year. And uh, then we'll carry on. I've got some awesome interviews lined up in the, in the offing right now. Looking forward to sharing those with you. But again, as we close, I just want to thank you, the listener, for being a part of the journey of the Pastor's Call podcast. Uh, this journey uh, ha has been for myself, but I, I hope and pray that it has been for you as well, that by hearing the, the stories of those who've gone before, whether you're interested, pursuing, or in pastoral ministry, you are going to be encouraged to carry on in the calling that God has for you. So in the meantime, I hope you can please subscribe so other people can find the show, but also share it. Share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with your pastor, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Pastor's Call podcast. God bless.